0: Casting from Northeast Florida. This is the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Here are your hosts, Captain Don Taylor Jr. and Captain Ty McNeely. What's been going on with you, man? Just working, man. Fishing, trying to uh, make a living out there. You know what I'm saying. Another day, another dollar. Yeah, so what are we going to talk about today?
1: Yeah, I really have no idea. Yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. Good you know, thing we, we kept notes. Uh, hopefully, fishing, you know. Yeah, we're going to talk about fishing.
0: Talk fishing
1: about or that. the weather or the wind. Talk about the wind. The wind it's, sucks. It's, it's, it's horrible, man. Today yeah. it got blown like tw- it's 25 sustained today. Yeah. I mean, look at my face. Yeah, the wind Probably sucks. I can see my face out there, but I mean, it's like burnt red. Yeah, I can see it. Being with, like wind chapped. You know, I normally have on like sunglasses all the time. Right. And sorry about that. But, um, uh, I mean, that kind of went away for a while there, and now all of a sudden it's back.
0: It's back. Well, that wind burn, man, or whatever it's called, got you
1: pretty good, it looks like. I got chapped. Wind chapped. Wind chapped. Right. So, so I think we're going to talk about what, what today, uh, casting, I think it is. Yeah, casting, we're about and, um,
0: yeah, casting accuracy, um, how do you get good at casting, should people... be very
1: accurate? Um, I, I
0: mean, think what I What is am. your definition of accurate? Well, I think I'm accurate, um... My definition of accurate. Are you accurate about being accurate or are you just accurate? I think my definition of accuracy when casting would be um, hitting the spot that I'm trying to throw my bait to, right? Not near
1: it, but to it. Okay, well, let's be more specific. So, folks out there, uh, when you say hitting your spot, you mean three inches beside that spot or do you mean because, I mean, I, the spot. I, I think I can cast pretty damn good? And the spot. It, it, I mean, come if, on man
0: if you got a soft target if you got a soft target you know i don't
1: it, like that word soft target that just sounds uh, weird but uh, i know man, i know it's an accurate term but it just sounds weird doesn't it kind of
0: i don't know that's what it soft
1: is Soft target plugs I'm, i think used to bomb something over in iraq right. or something anyways well if you're trying to if you're trying to
0: cast into a certain area you know there could be cover there could be anything there and you're trying to get into it you know you could have just inches to to drop your your bait in there your lure so, but what makes a good caster? You know, here where we fish a lot, we've got overhanging trees, we've got docks and pilings, we've got oyster beds, we've got—I mean, just a bunch, a bunch of stuff that we can get tangled in all the time. So we have to—we have to be able to cast.
1: We have to, and and you—I no, get that. I'm just yeah. trying to—I'm trying to in my head really to really think what would be considered accurate or, yeah. or hitting the spot. Because I mean, I, I guess what I'm asking is this: so if I were to go outside right now. You know, folks can see us, and I can go out there and put a cup on the ground, you know, like a solo cup. Yep, one single cup. One single cup. You tell me you could throw a piece of plastic in that sealed solo cup from what's an average cast 20, 30, 40 yards? Actually, that's pretty far, probably 20 I yards. I don't know if I could. Yes, yeah, so that's my point about yeah, getting the spots. That's why I was kind of curious about. Well, that's, that's what we're going to discuss. Okay, is what is
0: accuracy, right? We're going to talk you. about accuracy, um, spots. We're going to talk about lure manipulation as well. Once you get the lure in the spot what do you got to do to make
1: the fish bite lure manipulation yeah action on the lure so the, the how about lure presentation presentation okay that's even better because if, like if, if I'm manipulating the lure then I'm, you know <laughs> it's making me it's really not the lure but I'm just saying it's a lure but it's really not if a lure we're but
0: manipulating it we have to yeah, change exactly, the rating exactly. change but the I, rating I, I on the podcast
1: I know what you're saying but it's about yeah. like lure presentation basically yeah lure presentation okay I'm with you all
0: right so we're going to talk about um, obviously about casting. We're going to talk about some lures and. Um, Are, we we'll,
1: lures? Are we talking about artificial lures? We're talking about plastic. Are we talking about hard bait or just, we'll just what maybe, lures? Maybe
0: a little bit of all of it. You know, even
1: live bait. I apologize for uh, sniffling, your folks out there, ear. Your ear out there. Yeah, so I'm it's, here. it's just cold out. It's, it's been cold here in Florida, and the wind's been blowing, and well, it'd be what thirty degrees one day and seventy-five the next. Yeah, it's Florida. Yeah, so I've got yeah. a faucet on my face right now. Yeah, I apologize.
0: So to answer your question, Cap Don, we're going to talk about all those things. All you know, any type of any type of offering for the fish. We'll, if it's relevant, we'll discuss it. We don't have to stick to a bullet point. Um, okay. And you know what I think is interesting is uh, rod selection for certain types of casting. You know, it doesn't matter. Um, I tend to think that it does in some instances. And does it? Do you have to be a good caster to catch fish? And uh, we're going to talk about those things. We're going to talk about um, uh, some current events, what's going on in the world of fishing today, not just here locally, but uh, Cap Don's going to get on around the. Around the country. Cap Don's going to get on interwebs there, and he's going to find us a couple good topics to talk about. And we're going to run our mouth for a few minutes man, about we're, that. We're
1: running on me to get on the interweb. We're in trouble. I'll tell you what. What are you doing over there? Man, I'm just trying to get in the studio situation. By the time you come in the studio, man, people got it changed around and they got it moved. and... No, we yeah. need to take a break. So you no, can... no, we're good, man. I just was. Uh, it's just hard for me to type with just one hand. You know, I can throw and cast with one hand. Matter of fact, but right. I can't type with one hand because I was going to ask your question about you mentioned rods. Just to touch on that real quick. So when you have a, you know, your rod, and you, know, you have medium, medium, medium light, medium heavy, heavy, and then I mean, I know you build rods, right? And so I know all rods have different actions on them. Yep. I was going to ask you, you know, what, what is the technical, I guess the technical term for what rod produces what action of the rod? Does that make sense? In other words, if you have a medium medium rod with a fast action tip, you know, what is that what does that result in? What is a, you know, extra fast action tip? I guess I am basically talking about the rod tips themselves. I know what the power is. That's the backbone of the rod. Right. I am referring to the you know medium action, you know fast action, extra fast action, extra extra fast action, and so you know. As you know as well as I do, things have gotten so damn technical now yeah. in the fishing industry, like everything else, uh, where they make a certain lure to be thrown by a certain rod on a certain line. Right. And that sort of stuff, and so I was just curious. To, um,
0: yeah, I don't pay any attention to line weights or lure weights on fishing rods.
1: Even, even though it gives you suggested even weight though on them? it, does yeah? I really, I mean, why is that? Yeah.
0: I just I because I don't know that it. I don't know how well it absolutely matters. I, now, line weight, I will agree that line weight plays a big part in it because if you get too heavy a line, it really decreases your casting distance. Um, I don't think if my rod is rated for up to a three eighths or and, you know, I use something bigger than that, it's going to do something crazy. I, I just don't believe that because, you know, as well as I do, you take a, a rod like that and you put a bottom rig on it, a Caroline rig, and you get in heavy current, you have a little heavier weight than three-eighths of an ounce or whatever it's rated for. I just don't think the weight, the
1: lure weight matters is what I'm trying to say. Well, see, I don't think it would have to matter. I don't think it has. I don't think it does. But, I mean, well, they would make different kinds of that. I'm just playing devil's advocate with you here. Are you tired of everybody? Somewhat. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Well, I mean, I know, like, for instance, you know, a fast-action rod, that's when the top of the rod only bends, you know, the top third of the way up is what is a fast-action rod. You know, a medium rod is when um, it will have moderate action, so it'll bend just the top half or so of the rod. And then a slow-action rod will bend, you know, in the lower third of the rod. You know, sometimes even slow-action rods, you know, they call those parabolic you know, a parabolic rod is. you yeah. have Parabolic. You have paraflex. Right. Uh, I mean, the rod bend dissimilar similar throughout the whole entire length of the rod. Like a lot of the rods that I use, uh, they have faster, extra faction extra fast action tips on them, and so they have a lot of what we call whip. Right. So, so you're saying that? No. If I, I'm throwing a mirror lure, I'm just okay. Just a lure, and you know, it's. I think it. Now three eight seven ounce. And if I want to whip something, you know, it's because you're you're whipping it, so you're saying that wouldn't matter if I'm have a. It, it may matter at that point if when you're talking
0: about an extra fast tip on it. Yeah, that that probably matter. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean I'll retract. And that's some, why I'm. some of my before. statement
1: there because in other words, like some of the rods I use, if I were to put a three ounce weight on it, I mean the rod would be doubled over in half. In other words, yeah, just sitting. there. So you know what I'm saying. And yeah. so therefore, I think it. I mean, there's application for each of them. In other words, well, so I'm trying right. to, and that's, to you.
0: and that's pretty. That's a. Um, Yeah, putting a three-ounce weight on on something that we would typically throw a quarter ounce or, you know, an eighth or a quarter or a a three-eighths. Yeah, I get that. Um, But I'm saying if you go over three-eighths, I don't know that it matters. I think what matters the most would be your line weight, right? If you're the – I mean, we both know you put a 30-pound braid on something with a quarter-ounce jig head on it, you're not going to cast it as far as something that you put, you know, 10-pound braid or 12-pound braid, right?
1: Right. Right. So, well, I mean, most of my, I mean, I'm not getting line weight, but i yeah, I'm, I primarily use all 10 pound, 10 pound, I think mean, we've discussed that before, but yeah. all, all 10 pound, uh, braid. Right. But, anyways, and so now back, but back to the rods, though, uh, just real quick, you know, I, I mean, I definitely think that the action of the rod itself is, <clears throat> is very important. And the reason why I say that, you taught you set a minute ago that, you know, you can hit your spot, so to speak, or that, you know, whatever your soft target is. Right. I mean, I think you almost have to have, in my opinion, a rod that is applicable to what you're throwing in order to, to do that.
0: Right. Okay.
1: I mean, because if you have a an extra an extra you know heavy rod, let's say medium heavy rod, with no bend in it whatsoever, a medium action tip or slow action tip, I man, I don't know how in the world you'd ever hit a target with that thing. I mean, I can't do it. I mean, I've got one of them. I mean, I think you've even seen me. Uh, it's pretty darn stiff. It's one of the stiffest rods I have. And uh, it's like the broomstick. I call it a broomstick. Right. And, I mean, it's it's hard to guide I guess I should say. You have to guide it instead of actually casting it, in my opinion. Right. If that makes sense to people out yeah, there. Yeah, it does.
0: And I... Well, it makes sense to me. I don't know about everybody else, but...
1: So, I mean, you're just throwing it out there and hoping it lands in a general vicinity. You're kind of guiding it out there, right? Whereas when I'm actually casting, I'm casting so it's to a certain spot. Yeah, but
0: that's a good point, though. When you if you're sight fishing, right? If you're blind casting, I don't think it matters. Fan um, casting
1: out there, I mean, if right. you're,
0: I mean, unless you're around structure where you would be flipping it or pitching it. Um, but okay, so if you're flipping. Let's just start there. If you're flipping, and because um, you're obviously you're in an area where you need to flip a bait, like a dock, for instance, a dock, some okay. some overhanging structure
1: sure, sure. or whatever. Here. Okay. All right. You're gonna use a six foot rod, seven foot rod, seven uh, two, uh, seven six. I use uh, all seven, three, 7 foot seven three. Seven foot seven three. All yeah, right. Most of my rods are seven foot, but I do have a couple of rods that are seven three. Okay. I have one to seven two, and I one to seven three, yeah. but most of them are the majority of my rods are seven foot. Yeah, I'd go with
0: I'd go with a little longer, seven three. Yeah, you know, seven two seven three. If I knew that's one. And, what and I that was. just
1: gives you a little extra casting distance. But you know, if you're flipping, yeah. like you said, if you're by a dock, you know, by structure, the length at that point isn't really going to matter. Like I know back in my bass fishing days, right? I mean, I would use a six six rod, right. right? Even a six foot rod in some instances for pitching you know, and yeah. flipping around docks and under structure and that sort of stuff. Right. Now in the saltwater world, where you're not under as many trees so to speak but you are around a lot of docks and whatnot i'm still throwing to seven foot to seven you know anywhere from seven to seven three
0: yeah yeah and that's what i used to around seven foot
1: and i, mean, I can seven. tell you it's it, it's more difficult i will i will promise you that i mean there's been some docks where you know that you're five or six foot off the dock and you're trying to underhand pitch it yeah uh, it's a lot more difficult but i mean it, i'm just a you know gravitated i not gravitated but i've uh changed adapted i should say to the way I throw it now, right? On the sidearm maybe, as opposed to overhand or just straight underhand pitching it.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Skip, a, skipping through the water. A skip.
0: Yeah. yeah. Skip cast. It's something I haven't mastered yet. It's a skip cast. Um, I can do it. Not real confident in it. Um,
1: I, I can do it with certain baits. It's funny. I can uh, I can do it real well with certain baits. I mean, I know, I know there's only certain baits that you can't do it with technically, but uh, you know, I can even skip plastic up underneath some right. docks. But uh, you have know, the hard bait, of course. Yeah. But you run the risk of tangling it up when you throw it like sure. that. So, you know, it's got its pros and cons. But, you know, if I got a jig head on, a piece of plastic, I can get it to skip.
0: Yeah, I got a, uh, my son has a friend that he swears can skip bait a spinnerbait, can skip cast a spinnerbait. I've never actually seen it. Um, never, tried it but, uh, never tried it, but never tried it. Never thought about trying to be honest with you. The the kid is a pretty good fisherman. So I'll take everybody's word for it. I mean,
1: I've, you know, I have actually skipped a bait spinnerbait right. that I have, but never a, Straight out, you know your blades, two blades, and a right. you know <laughs> jig yeah. head. Now I've never done that, never tried it. Yeah, I've never tried it either. So the um, so casting
0: when when you're look, we were discussing if you're if you're throwing on the fish that you see, mm-hmm. okay, you get one chance to make a first impression. That's correct to that fish. Mm-hmm. So casting now becomes very important, right? right? If you're blind casting, you don't know what you're doing. The difference to me between a great angler and a good angler um, there
1: are a ton is getting the fish to is catching fish when you want to catch the fish right but
0: there's there's a you would agree there's a sorry l- i stood in there there's a lot there's a lot of good there's a lot of pretty good anglers out there mm-hmm. there's probably even a lot of, of good anglers out there there's not very many great anglers and the difference between, to me, with a great angler and a good angler is a, a good angler is going to cast hundreds and hundreds of more times than a great angler. Mm-hmm. There's there's no need to stand out there and wear your arm out going just casting and casting and casting and casting and casting. And, castin'. and I, I read a story recently that a guy had wrote about a fishing derby that he was in a few years back. And um, it was up north on a river. And uh, he got challenged. He was a 64-year-old man, and he got challenged by a 21-year-old kid for $20 that in one hour the kid could catch more fish. Same stretch of water, they flipped a coin for left bank, right bank.
1: That's what they did. And it was, which one, you said it was who catched the most fish? The most fish in one hour. Okay. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, they flipped a quarter to see who would be on the left bank, who'd be
0: on the right bank, and they'd start at the same, basically the same starting line, and they'd just move down the bank, right? One hour. Okay. The Are they old Saint
1: or thing, or no? They or were just different a, boats. Okay. One
0: guy's on one side, one guy's on the other. Okay. So the old guy says he, when he started out, he just sat in the boat for the first five minutes and watched the kid cast. He said there was no doubt from the very first cast. The kid knew how to cast. He was mm-hmm. all over it. He was just he was a great caster. And in the first five minutes, he said he probably cast two hundred times. The kid did. The kid did. Okay. The old man hadn't threw hadn't cast one time. He said, so he knew the kid had absolutely no idea where the fish were at, what was going to make the fish bite, where the fish would be. He had no
1: idea about that. All he knew was how to cast, right? So. Well, like they say, you know, you got you know, if you throw it a thousand times, like they say with women, kind of, you ask enough of them, one's going to say, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Sorry. No, I guess. I know you're the kind so. of guy you ask them, they all say, yeah, I got you. Yeah, they Just all. the beard.
0: Yeah. Just anyway, the, beard.
1: It's the Anyway. So no,
0: I want to get sidetracked for a second.
1: Okay.
0: Um, the beard and the mullet.
1: I've been I've been,
0: I've heard that before. I mm-hmm. like it. Um, I do have a beard. For those of you that are not lucky enough yet to see me, i I've got lucky a, enough. Lucky enough. Yeah, you, yeah. De- you definitely have a radio
1: voice, radio yeah, face. Radio drink. face. Yeah, and uh, I'm just kidding.
0: Got a nice beard, and uh, Captain Don is, uh, you know, he's got a nice mullet going on.
1: It's not a mullet. Let's just clear it's, that up. It's close. Go ahead and clear it up. You know it's not a mullet. Yeah, it's not. It's not technically a mullet. My hair is all one length around my whole entire you know, face, front and back. But when I pull it back behind my hat, it does have the slight appearance of a mullet. Of a mullet. Kind of. Yeah.
0: I'm going with the beard of the mullet. Okay. I like it.
1: Okay. So. Uh, I like it. Just funny. Yeah. We get called that a lot. So, you yeah. Know. No. I roll with it, whatever. I answer, I answer pretty much anything. So, yeah. First of all, it's all good, Bubba. Yeah. So we're back on track here. So,
0: anyway, back to my story. So, the after after an hour, the uh, or after the five minutes, the old man he uh, tells the guy that's in the boat. He says, "Go ahead and move us up the bank about forty yards." So they do, and he makes a few cast, he casts a few times, catches a fish, moves up the bank another forty yards. Now he's left the kid in the dust. The kid's way back by the start where he's at, just barely making his way down the bank. At the end of the hour, the old man had caught 21 fish. The young kid had caught three. Wow. So
1: the the lesson... Well, okay, what is lesson? I'm, I'm just... Okay, I have several questions about that, but okay, go ahead. Okay. So I guess the lesson would be,
0: what catches fish? The quality of the cast or the quantity of the cast?
1: Well, I have a, several questions about that little tournament there they had. or heard that little exhibition they had. First of all... Uh, the old man's bank could have held a lot more fish. Could have. Number one. Could have. Uh, Number two, he obviously could have been, in my opinion, he's probably a better, you know, probably made better casts. And, um, I mean, just my opinion, though, I mean... I hate to be so skewed, but uh, it sounds like to me that that bank had a lot more fish on it. But I, I know we're going with this here, so I so go ahead. But I'm just throwing that out there. But. Well,
0: and and I don't the, the there's no antidote to it. There's nothing. There's no there's no gotcha moment uh, for the story. That was basically the end of the story. So
1: and, why do I, the old man catch more fish than the kid?
0: Well, he never the end, the ending of the story was with the question I just asked. Oh. So did did the old man catch more fish because? Quantity
1: of cast or quality of cast? Obviously. Can't answer that. Right. So, I mean, no offense. I'm not trying to. Well, no, I get it. Aha. But I mean, I, I can't answer that without being there. So what I'm, I'm trying to, to draw a circle here is that. You're trying to draw me an analogy here in well, a way? Well, nah,
0: circle. I'm okay, sorry. Closing circle. a loop maybe on it. I got you. So okay. if, if you go out and fish and you're just casting and casting and casting, um, you could be doing more damage to the fishery, spooking fish, running fish off whatever than you would if you pick your spots. Does that make sense-
1: mm-hmm. sure okay. all right so I mean you know, it's funny my friend will tell you that in my well, you fished me before, so I'll tell you but i mean I, she's been around me a lot, and she's you know fished with me and other people and uh she's real quick to say that i I can't do a whole lot in life <laughs> you know i can't I'm a mechanic and I can't really. I can't paint, and but she said, but when it comes to like throwing a rod and reel, yeah, you know, that's about all that I can do really, really well. Right. Uh, well, I should say a rod, but uh, I think casting is very important. I mean, it took me a long time to, but I've been, you know, casting since I was a little kid, and I mean, there would be times that I would go out in the backyard. Uh, you know, you, you learn you learn real quick in fishing, uh, if you're going to be successful, and you're going to make. Good quality cast, but you know that if you're going to catch fish, that you need to make quality casts, right? I mean, how many times and we've all said it, and I'm sure everyone out there listening, it, you make a great cast, you throw it in a three by three pocket, and then bam, you go, heck, that cast right there deserves a fish, but you don't catch a fish, right? But with that being said, you still have to make those good quality casts because a lot of times those fish are going to be. You know, once you learn to fish and you kind of learn what you're looking for and you learn structure and you learn location and you learn eddies and you learn you, you learn how to read the water, well, you learn where you need to make those casts at. Right. And you're going to be a lot more successful fishing. Yeah. And if you if can you, make those casts, it's just that simple. And if you can't make those
0: casts, you, you're never going to catch fish.
1: Well, no, you'll catch fish, but you won't be as highly successful. You, you won't be successful at it on a regular basis. Right. On a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Mm-hmm. Consistent. Consistent basis. Yeah, right. there you go. Exactly. I mean, that's my opinion. So we could make the statement that it's foolish to try to catch
0: fish before you actually know how to cast.
1: You mean like so? It's kind of like kind of trying to walk before you crawl, in a way. I mean, you know, it all goes back to what what kind of fishing you're doing, though, man. Right. I mean, I mean, just honestly, go back
0: to your cane pole days as a kid, right? mm -hmm. You're gonna put that. You're gonna put it in a spot. Right, and there's always that spot that you're aiming yeah, but for. but not
1: necessarily,
0: we rarely, it's subjective
1: though. I mean, yeah, but if you're fishing s- in a round lake and you've only got 12 foot of line off a cane pole, it right. can only go in so many directions. That's right. Okay, no, so, I, I mean, it. so, I you know, when you, really when you get on a boat and you start cruising down a river and you're messing, with, you're, you're in the current. Right. And you realize that you only have a certain. The wind. Amount, the wind, and you only have a certain amount of time to make a really good cast at a certain spot, you know, to try to be. Successful, right? Uh, you'll learn real fast that you need to learn how to cast. Yes, I mean without, I'm not going to sit here and say that people that can't cast in a three by three spot or a five by five spot right. aren't, aren't going to be successful catching fish because that's just not accurate.
0: Well, I know. because not...
1: you can get out in, on the beach or you can get out on the bank and you can throw it as far as you can, yeah, and catch still catch fish. And so it's a whole different it's, it's a whole different in my mind a whole different application. Well, yeah, the
0: guys that are fishing off the beach or out in the boat offshore. They don't really have a casting problem. Right.
1: Right. So, um, but, but we're inshore fishing here. Right. And so we need, I guess we I should yeah. should preface all this by saying. And even,
0: even let me back up. Well, yeah, I mean, saltwater fishing or even freshwater fishing to an extent inshore. Bass fishing. Bass fishing. Bass through fishing through the creeks
1: and rivers and stuff, yeah.
0: Where casting would be super important would be fly fishing. Never done and it. You never done it. I know we're going to get you out there this spring.
1: That ain't going to happen. Yeah, it is. No, You're going to go. Okay. No, you're going to go. Okay. <laughs> um, no, so, uh, yeah, I'll try anything once. Yeah. Jeff wants to get me out in the kayak.
0: <laughs> that would be
1: funny. That will be exciting. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But anyways. All
0: right. The bi- so bi- casting. No, mm-hmm. so we agree that it is important. And maybe for guys like us, I mean, we're both professional fishermen, um, for lack of a better term.
1: Well, I think if you want to do anything well, I'm the kind of person. You got to do it that whatever I'm doing, I want to try to be the best at what I'm doing. And I want to know I'm going to have every advantage in my arsenal when I go to do it, Right. whether it's hunting or whether it's fishing, but I'm going to have taken all the necessary precautions, you know, taking all the, have the best equipment you know, that I can possibly afford or have, and then set myself up, prepare myself to have the best result at the end of the day. I mean, you know, fishing is not easy. Hunting is not easy, but you know, this is for my fishing here, but, you know, it, it's really, it's not easy. I mean, do you think about it, the world's covered in seventy percent of the water? That's a lot of area for fish to be in. That's a lot. Uh, okay, and for you to go out there and think about it, it's pretty amazing. That's why I love fishing for. When you hunt, you can narrow down an area where a deer is going to walk through, or you can put a corn pile out. You know, and yeah, everywhere uh, they haven't built a building yet. Right, and, but, but you can put feed there and have them have them come to it. You know, or if you know females of those are coming through, then you know you can set yourself up for it. Now, today's technology with cameras and all this kind of stuff, yeah. Fishing, yeah, you have a graph, yeah, that you can look at, but other than that, you can't really chum them, right? You know, that I'm you know, obviously, yeah, well, you with, can, but it gets, within reason, yeah, and, and, yeah. But well, I mean, so you're out there in a big ha, yeah, over three quarters of the world covered in water, yeah, you're throwing a lure that's three or four inches long with a piece of lead attached to it. Into a massive body of water, and you're trying to fool a fish who's super smart. Yeah, he's know. he's eaten
0: food before. Yeah, and you're trying to get him to think that that's a piece of food. Exactly. Which takes us takes so, me to another thought. To what? Basically, what we're going to talk about today is you know what does the fish actually strike? So I'm a I'm a redfish or a trout or a flounder. I don't care what fish you are, where you fish, whatever your fishery is. Think about your fish that live there. Whatever they eat naturally, mm-hmm. is what they eat. They're familiar with that. They've been eating that since they could eat. They've been eating that since they could
1: eat. <laughs> they've been eating it since they
0: could eat since they could chew, huh? Right. Yeah. I mean, think about it. Okay, so I'm with you. You know, if you're a largemouth bass and and your dill in your lake is frogs or snakes or shad, shad or or whatever, that's sure. what they them guys have been eating that, right? And and if you're a redfish, well, yeah. it's what we call the hatch. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah, just the, the hatch. Pretty, the short and simple of it is the hatch. You know, and so. They've been eating that, and then now you're going to take something, a lure that does not
1: look like a natural fish. Hopefully, it does. I mean, with today's technology, now with all the lures out there now, I know the technology is getting better. And so, especially with plastics, man. I mean, I know it's better. I love paddle tail. The swim baits, or go back to your question though. Without trying to get off the rails here, your question was, what are the fish actually? What are they hitting? What are, they, what are they hitting? Because with? you you have to realize that... First, first and foremost, when I go out, you kind of set it up there. When I go out to a river, lake, creek, you know, wherever it is I'm fishing that particular day, uh, I'm going to look to see what bait's in the water. That's one of the very first things that I do. And you can do that by simply... Here in northeast Florida, it's mullet. Mullet. I mean, there's other things too, but you got mullet, you know, that, that's probably the main thing here. A lot of mullet. Uh, glass minnows, saw a lot of those today. But so what I'm going to do, I'm going to try to find me a bait in my box, my arsenal that matches that, and I call that profile. I try to find something that's going to have the similar a similar profile to it. Right. And a lot of times, with today's you know baits out there on the market, you're going to have about three and a half inch to, to three inch to in, three inch to probably five inch plastic that you know, somewhere that can match the profile of what is in the water. Right. Same thing with the hard baits, you know, you can buy anything from
0: You can buy them, to, yeah, from two three. two inches all the way up to huge. eight, nine, yeah. ten, twelve inches. Right. So I, I agree with you a hundred percent. We're gonna match okay. whatever we see, match the hatch. Right. Right.
1: I I know it's a cliche and you hear that all the time, but, no, I mean, but it's but it's the truth. It's the truth. If, if you're out there throwing a a three inch, you know, piece of plastic in, in there you look all around you and there's 2 2-inch in, or 3-inch finger mullet you're you probably not going to have a whole lot of success that day.
0: You're right, okay. So here here's here's my thing with it. You you get your your plastic, right? Mm-hmm. So there's everywhere you look there's 3-inch finger mullet running, right? So okay. you put a 3-inch plastic on, right? So you're matching the hatch. You toss it
1: out there. Am I tossing it out there? Am I casting, casting it? Casting it, tossing it, okay. throwing it, winging it. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to figure out which one we're doing here.
0: I don't give a damn
1: how you get
0: <laughs> You got it in the water. You cast it. Okay. You make your cast. All right. It's right, a good right, cast. Right. 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 All right. It's good cast. And uh, what you don't know because you can't see under the water is that there's fish there. Right. So why does that fish.
1: My depth finder's going to tell me that they're there. Not I'm take, just kidding. Not,
0: well, well, okay. So it does. No, but I, why I does the fish not though? take that plastic? Right. So and here's what i think and i could be totally wrong and i probably am when you fish with um when we fish with live bait whether it's finger mullet or mud minnows or whatever the difference is when we cast a live bait out there and you're easing that live bait back and you're working it and you're working it working it you can feel your live bait alert you that a predator fish is coming Mm-hmm. You can feel it. the The fish starts to act different,
1: especially if you're fishing with a popping cork. You can watch the cork. You can watch dancing. the cork, right? I'm just giving a general, right? Yeah, Generality for folks out there listening. You know, you watch your popping cork. You can see that physically.
0: Yeah. So, and you can feel it with without it when you're sure. fishing a jig. So, what you have now um, out there is an intelligent bait because you have a, a fish that knows that it's in trouble and it's trying to get the hell out of the way. Right. What you don't have mm-hmm. with a lure is an intelligent bait. The lure has no idea it's in the water, has no idea there's a predator coming for it.
1: That's why you better be an intelligent angler. So you're the one, yes.
0: So the lure manipulation or action or whatever is what we have to create to entice that fish to strike that artificial bait. Because without it, it's just something that looks like a fish, but when the predator fish approaches it, it doesn't react because it doesn't know. And we don't know that there's a fish approaching it. So... Our lure doesn't react the way a live bait would react and try to run and hide, and it doesn't entice the
1: strike. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, but let me ask you this. Okay. And I'd like to hear other people's thoughts on this also because it's funny that we're having this conversation, and you and I haven't really talked about this a whole lot. I fished this past Saturday in a tournament, as you know, and I went to a spot that I had done a couple charters, a couple charters, and we had called a. You know, a, a ton of fish. And the point I'm making is this. So when you rig your plastic, how do you rig your plastic tie? Let's say a paddle tail, three-and-a-half-inch paddle tail, how do you rig it? Um, I would rig it
0: through the nose and out the back, just like, I guess, a conventional rig. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
1: that's, and See, well, I throw a lot of weedless as you know, so I have my keeper in the front right, and my hook out through the middle mm-hmm. of the back somewhere of that, that well. When I was fishing on Saturday, I'll tell you, me you know, during my charters, you know, this time here right now in Florida, the water temperature is really cold. We're talking about the mid-40s, maybe 50, uh, but really cold, and the fish right now seem to be in a lot deeper water. So I've been having my clients jig head, you know, quarter-ounce jig head, mud minnows seems to be the ticket right now. There's a lot of glass minnows in the water, still finger mulling around don't think, you know, as well as I do, that it's hard for a redfish, or even a trout, to turn out a mud yeah. So with that being said, you know, absolutely slay them on Tuesday and Wednesday. We'll get out there during the tournament and, you know, catch fish and whatnot. But my, but my point I'm making is well, during the tournament, I, I was thinking, you know, I've got my jig hit. I mean, I've got my plastic rigged, like I just said, with the screw lock through the nose of the plastic and protruding, out, you know, coming out the middle of Middle of the, uh, you know, the middle of the plastic. Well, when you rig your mud minnow, how do you rig your, your mud minnow? Depends on how I want to
0: fish it, but typically through the through the mouth and out the eye, out of the, okay. oh, the forehead or whatever. It's depending on how I want to fish it. Exactly.
1: So, ninety-nine yeah. percent of the time, I do it through the either. Tournament fishing, I'll, rip, or I'll do it through the top lip and then out of the eyelet or you know, eye socket or I'll, you know, right. when I'm charter fishing, it's because I know they're going to get hit it's pretty easy. quick. It's yeah. easy, quick, you know, through both lips and blah, blah, blah.
0: Now, I have rigged them through the tail.
1: So, so um, if I pop and cork especially. If
0: I'm Carolina rigging them um, mm-hmm. on the bottom, I'll rig them through the bottom uh, of the belly, below the back of the belly, mm-hmm. so they'll swim up um, so, off the bottom. Yeah, so.
1: So my charter on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, I, I had mud minnows through the lips. And obliterated the fish. Well, you get out there Saturday. You're throwing your lures, and you think about it. It's rigged nothing like you you do when you fish it with live bait. So I really started thinking. You know, why not take a gulp, paddle tail, curly tail, whatever. I, I, gulp or whatever the brand you want to use. Could, That's the first thing. Yeah, it could be. Head. Could be anything. Yeah, They're great. So why not rig it the same way as you would? a mud minnow right done that yeah well you know i I haven't done that and i just never thought about doing it but you know wouldn't that do you think that would make more sense i think as far as your presentation goes i think
0: it makes the bait i think there's more action on the bait at that point when you do it that way Mm -hmm. um there's less protection for the hook if so but i do think there's more action now i've even went a step further and i've trick worm rigged paddle tail so to speak right and I, mean, I, don't I don't know that that's not the right term but i've rigged it just right
1: sideways right through the belly i don't know what you mean you like the like dead stick to, uh, tr- i don't know what you mean trout trick worm i am not yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah i mean just right like straight, drop shot and a uh, wacky worm
0: just right straight through the belly right, right? Mm-hmm. and um so you basically the hook goes right through the middle of the bait and you got one the head's out one side and the tail's keep in
1: mind folks we you know we're professional anglers but we're you know we're not you know, the bass anglers of the world, and they probably know all these technical, fancy terms and all that kind of good jazz. I mean, yeah. and, and we're not that, we're just everyday, yeah. everyday guys that love to fish, and we're just trying to bring it to you and we bring it real. Yeah, so, if, I, yeah, so, so if, if one of tackle.
0: you know it all professional guys want to call us up and, and hand us some definitions, we'd be more than yeah, happy, more to, than happy to
1: tackle it. Yeah, but my point is, you know, I just started thinking, hey, you know, why not try it that way? So, next time I go out, just I'm, I'm just going to try to see if that, that makes a difference as far as there's got to be something that, you know, a curly tail is about the same size as a mud minnow. Right. Uh, now, granted, it's not, you know, moving and putting off the same scent and whatnot down there, but you're still getting that reaction by what you're doing.
0: Yeah, and that's the reaction by what I'm asking is, yeah. is you, you know, when you throw and you do a cast and retrieve, okay, you're doing a slow roll maybe, mm-hmm. All right? You, you cast out. I never do a slow roll. You don't do a slow roll? Hardly ever.
1: Unless I'm mm-hmm. flounder, flounder fishing. Well, flounder fishing.
0: Okay. So it doesn't matter what fish it is. So you're doing just a regular cast and retrieve, okay? You don't know when the fish is there, when the fish is ready to attack, but he realizes something ain't right because your bait's not fleeing. It's not freaking out. It's not trying to run away. Correct. So the, the key for me, I like what you just brought up and I have – Rig just through the lip basically mm-hmm. to get more action. So, there, but there's a technique that I'll use during tournament fishing for sure. Um, that I'll use that technique. And you can even take a paddle, a swim bait, and rig it through the tail the same way to get a whole completely weird action on it. But it's a we, it's different. And I think that's what fish hit is the different. Um, I think they're predatory fish, they want things away from them.
1: Um, I think they're hitting them because they're hungry. I mean, I, I think you are getting a, I mean, I, no, no I, I'm, I'm not quite following you there. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you totally, but I, I, first of all, I would never think about rigging a paddle tail backwards. I just—I can't even imagine what that would look like, but—and um, I'm not like, hitting—who knows, it may work. But I think, you know, when most fish hit, you hear all the time. Uh, You're—most time when you're throwing a plastic or a, uh, you know, crankbait, you're getting a reaction bite. When
0: do, when do most fish strike artificial?
1: When? When. When it's presented to them right when it gets near them? Well, yeah, when it, it gets near them. But, in,
0: okay, when it's moving forward, when it's moving up, when it's moving down, when it's moving back. Most times on the drop. When it's falling. Falling, yeah. Right? And it's probably because it's fallen at a more unnatural way than anything else you're doing with it. And and fishermen are to blame for this because as fishermen, we get into patterns. We got weather patterns. We got summer patterns. We got winter patterns. You know everything's a pattern. I'm with you, yeah, So you make a cast, twitch, twitch, roll, twitch, twitch, roll, whatever. Right? It's a pattern. It doesn't take much. You know, the, we you know, we have to give the fish some credit. You know, they live in these environments. They're not. They may be dumb animals. I don't know their brain. I don't know how big their brain is. I don't know how intelligent they are. But they know what they eat. Right. Right. Um, that that's my only point about the
1: the presentation on those baits. Well, as far as presentation goes, I think a, you know, fish are, th- they're very predatory, like you said. The fish are, they're biting it to eat. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Uh, yeah, there is instances sometimes you may bother them. You know, but people say, oh, I got through it. I hit him on the head. Well, you hit him on the head, but guess what? He's not, he can, he can, he can simply, because I've thrown it where I can see him in the water before, redfish, sight fishing them. And throwing it and hit them in the head and guess what? Yeah, they don't they, they go, don't eat it. Yeah, yeah, they go the other way. They, it scares them. Right. So that that old cliche there is, but I think a lot of times when you're you're out there casting and you know you're out there trying to catch fish, it's a reaction bite. But I mean, I think the fish are biting it to eat. Personally, um, right. it's not it's not like oh I'm trying to bite this to get it away from me. Now, little fish will do that, but I mean when the big fish come up and they thump it and they hammer it and they you know it's on. Right. That's because they're eating. And they're, and they're territorial and, pred, and, and predatorial. So therefore they, you know, they, they're trying to get it fast, so another fish won't get it, especially if you're fishing with a school with or a school. Of fish, absolutely. Yeah. But as far as what the fish hit, you know, back to what you're saying, you know, there, there's no doubt it's a reaction bite. And you know, I, kind of what you said, you know, a minute ago about fishermen and all these patterns and whatnot, you're right about that. You know, fishing as a whole in the whole industry probably you know, wherever you you know you folks live at you go to a bait store and what do you do you ask the guy behind the counter hey what's biting hey where are they biting at here's hey. a here's a better one you walk into the
0: bait store and you look at all the plastic lures hanging on the shelf mm-hmm. and you look for the one that's got the least amount of packages left on the wall and what do you do and that's the one you want exactly cuz you assume that that's what's biting my point is so an old tournament technique was to show up in town go to Walmart and buy all those packages of any bait or just w- go into a store and take them and hide them somewhere else cuz every angler that shows up is going to start looking for that and assume
1: the locals that's what they fish with. See, I, you know, I was I was reading something earlier and this guy, he's a he's a pretty profe- he's a big time professional bass fisherman and you know, his big thing about, you know, a reaction bite was uh he was saying that you're not trying to feed them technically on a reaction bite. You're trying to uh, scare it away from them. That, that's that's kind of what he's. his whole Big thing is, is that you're not really trying to feed them. They're not. You're not trying to get them to eat. You're trying to. You're what,
0: trying to get them to kill something to try to just get away. Get it away. Yeah. Yeah. now I've seen largemouth bass on a bed, and I've worked a lure, you know, a worm into the bed, and I've seen them grab it. And you probably have to. They grab it off the bed, run it off the bed and then let it go. Just spit it out.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've right. seen it a bunch of times, yeah. Yeah. Just pick it up and, and kind of run on it or drop it, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I've seen that a bunch of times. Right. Uh, you know, whether he's right about that, he says, you know, when you try to create a re- reaction bite, is different from getting a normal bite because you're not trying to feed them anything. He says you're trying to shock them into biting. That, that's what his idea of a reaction bite is. And he says, generally speaking, the faster you move the bait, the better. You don't want them to get a good look at it. You know, I agree with yeah. that. Well. But, a lot of times when you throw it out there, like we both just said, they're hitting on the fall. Yeah. You know, what, what does that pretty much represent? You know, a bait fish in the water that's probably injured. You know, a lot of times I'm
0: it's... Trying to get to cover maybe. I don't settling know.
1: in. Yeah. I mean, you know, well, you fish, you know. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying that you. I didn't mean to say that. You, you do know. But I mean, none of us really know technically, I guess. But right. I, my point is, fishing is a monkey-see-monkey-do business. It is, and so, and, and I say that because I'm part of the part of it, and I'm sure, like I've started off a while ago, you go into a bait shop or a tackle shop or at the store or Walmart or whatever, and you say, hey, you know, where's the fish at? Where are they biting? What are they biting? You ask your four or five, you know, same questions all the time. They're going to give you, and somebody's going to give you an answer. And then what are you going to do? You're going to go out there. You're going to put on this color that they suggested. You're going to throw it where they suggested, and then you're going to retrieve it how they suggested. And so, like you said, it's a vicious cycle and a pattern. And the reality of it is, you really don't know if any of that stuff works. Is my right. point I'm making? Right. No. And, you're until right. you go out there and you find out what works for you. And that's why they call it fishing and not catching. Maybe
0: for well, a lot for you most know, people. Yeah, you know, I've
1: watched these guys on TV, and I said all that to say, you know, you watch these guys on TV, and they tell you how you should. And I mean, I know that these guys have put a lot of thought, a lot of time. These businesses, these companies, have put a lot of money and R and D. Behind their certain, their lip divers or their cranks or their plastics or whatever, so I get it. They've done all this scientific research, right? You know, they've probably ran it, a pool with fish in it. You know, and and you know, and so they tell you, you know, you buy a bait and what you look at the back of it was to say, you twitch it, you pause it, you retrieve it, right. you slow it, you fast it, all this kind of stuff, which means they really don't know what they really works. Don't know. They really don't know. Right. Slow it down, speed it up, and all this kind of stuff. The point is, you have to really be out in the water you have to see, see what's going on in the water if you see the bait fish coming by and they're they're moving kind of gingerly with just in the current well then you dead stick it right. you know in my opinion or if you see them scampering around you may want to speed it up and twitch it and so there's a lot of things that you can do as an angler as far as casting goes what i've learned to do in this last even a couple of years is really pay a lot closer attention to my surroundings i look i look down more now than i ever have fishing Just because I'm trying to see what's going on in the water, right? You know what, what you know what the bottom looks like, what the bait fish are doing in the water, sure. What the bait fish look like, and I can I can go on and on about that. But when I started doing that about three or four years ago, it's taken my whole new for my personal fishing level to another level, and now my professional career to another level to another level, right? You know, and and I'm if people at home can you know kind of grasp this concept, don't just go to the bait shop and. Well, old Fred said, "Old Fred Altman said, uh, you know, buy this bait here and go out and throw it here, and then accept that as being the way it is." Right. You're 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 really shortchanging yourself. Yeah. The guy at the bait store is selling bait. And I'm not trying to get on a soapbox here. But I'm just trying to help out. Yeah. No, you're absolutely. and I agree with with all what you're saying. I mean, I think there's a certain time to twitch, a certain time to pause. I mean, you know, who in the hell really knows who, how many yeah. times you should twitch it? How yeah. many times you should pause it? Three times. Now I know that you know. Cold water, you should do this, and it's something there's a lot of theory and fact behind that. I get that, yeah, but at the same time, people you know, just I'm just trying to say go out there and experiment and experiment until you figure out what the fish are biting. Number one, it's very self gratifying, it's it's rewarding, yeah, and that's the best way to learn.
0: Yeah, I think you and I are both challenge the process kind of guys, you know, we're not the status quo because this is the way everybody else is doing it. We're not that guy. Um, you tell
1: me. It just like, like where we fish here now because everybody's saying, Hell, oh, the fish are bigger up north or the fish are biting up north. What does everybody do in a tournament? There's going to be 30 boats in a tournament. And just because one or two people say it, guess what? 25 of the boats run up north. Right. Doesn't mean they're going to catch fish up yeah. there. Yeah, doesn't mean there's better fish up there even. But the point is, I mean, like I said, it's a monkey-seed, monkey-do industry. It's a monkey-seed, monkey-do and i'm not criticizing the industry any way you know anyway but i'm just stating it. I, I think it's a fact you know that right. you know
0: yeah it, there could be i mean depending on you could get up there and you could get up there and catch better fish or you could get up there and catch nothing i mean it's all about the the angler
1: just what i've seen so far is that the fish up there right now at this particular time seem to be a little bit bigger
0: they are, and they're better fish. And we talked about this before on a previous podcast of why um, why I feel that way. You know, those are my home waters up there, so to speak. Sure. And, um, you know, I still I stand by what I said. And, you know, the unfortunate thing for everyone out there um, that doesn't know, you know, uh, what's going on here in our fishery, we're in Jacksonville, Florida. We have the St. Johns River, uh, 310 miles long. Um, it runs from south to north, right? Uh, it's a very it's uh, spring-fed, uh, so to speak, or it starts in the springs and flows north that way. The uh, they're under it, right now. They're battling a big dredging operation. They're doing a lot of damage to the river um, with very little resistance. And I, and I believe that the work that they're doing is destroying the river. Um, there's a lot to contend with anyway in the river. You've got one inlet coming inland to feed a lot of area. There's a lot,
1: a, lot of spots. There's a lot of river, yeah, a, lot. A, lot of, a lot of places to fish. Yeah, a lot of places to fish, a lot of uh, creeks and tributaries and estuaries and a lot of water flows in and out of there.
0: Yeah, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot that comes with it. And when you start changing the bottom structure, and that's what they're doing, um, making the channel deeper and wider, and they're, they're making a lot of mess. And I think that's affected the fishery. So do I. Um, there's a lot of people that think that it hasn't, but I don't think those people are fishing.
1: Um, no, I think anytime, doesn't matter if you're fishing or if you're hunting or if you're out in the wild or anytime you start messing with with an animal in their natural habitat, it's going to affect them.
0: It's going to affect. It's going to be
1: no different than a hurricane hitting here well, when it, it rips down half your neighborhood. Guess what? It affects you. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, when you think about people that live in a place where there's high pollution in the air and they can't breathe or smoke, and mm-hmm. you know, if, if it's real smoky in your neighborhood, you get cover. And I believe fish are the same way. If they can't breathe, uh, you know, good oxygen in the water. And we've talked about dissolved oxygen and how it gets in the water, and, and we're way off track here where we're
1: talking about casting, but this is relevant to fishing. Well, I think up there, you know, up north, just briefly, and then we'll move on. But I think, you know, with the inlet up there, I mean, granted, we have an inlet here in Jacksonville, but up there...
0: Well, we've got the Sound, and we've got the inlet. We got St. Mary's Inlet, and
1: we got Nassau Sound. Right, so yeah, I think you have a lot cleaner water. Yeah, they're only in twelve out. miles apart. Yeah, you just have a lot more, yeah, you know, clean water. You have like a lot more bait, also, more concentration of it coming and going. Yeah, now I don't think it's better up there all year round, but I think certain times of the year, like especially during the winter, I think the water's probably warmer coming oh. in. Yeah, the water yeah. is warmer coming in, and the same reason the water is probably a little
0: warmer right now up there than it is down here. I don't, you know, it maybe was,
1: it was forty eight degrees up there today. Right,
0: Not that I went up there in the sound. It was the right in the sound. So you're uh, talking about uh, way up north, way up north. Well, I'm thinking, yeah. Well, you're just in the sound, but you know they just started doing this dredge thing in Jacksonville too. They just started tearing up the river real good this year.
1: So yeah, they taught the little jetties. They've uh, dredged a lot of the St. Johns River. Yeah, all that's going to be gone, and
0: you know there's. There's um You're about the little jetties going to be gone. Yeah, or yeah, it's, it's yeah. going right now. Chick- isn't it? Chick- Chickapit Bay. Yeah, that's all, a whole, all that's going that right whole estuary is going to be gone. Yeah, yeah. it's
1: it's starting to seal it in real bad.
0: Well, and and you got to think of how that water, the water that the the St. Johns River is an outflowing river. Mm-hmm. Right, just to go ahead and get off topic and talk about this, it's an outflowing river, and I don't remember the number Um three hundred and something million cubic tons, or I'm sorry, cubic yards of water per minute is outflowing at the mouth of the St. John's River. Something that's crazy. It's a, a little over my head. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So now you have an incoming tide. When the when the tide's coming in, it's bucking the outflow, all right? It has to.
1: Because it always flows out. Because it always so, so flows out. Understand that. So right. the, the tide is always going out, but the current comes and goes. Right, that's right. I'm so, sorry, the current is always going out, the tide comes and goes.
0: Right, the tide comes goes in and out. Yeah. Right. So that water has to go somewhere. And, you know, the little jetties, for what they were, uh, for one thing, they were, they were a great fishery. They, they, oh, was, they were, they had good fish around there. And you could <clears throat> fish that, you could fish those rocks
1: from the shore, um, or you could fish it from a boat. Well, just, and more people at home that are listening, just to kind of set it up for them, you got the St. John's River that runs to the east, uh, off to the south, you had the ICW, and the little jetties acted, well, it was a jetty there. it, it, it Pile of rocks, you know, big big rock pile uh, that ran pretty good ways in the river, and it separated the ICW from the river, right. diverted the water, uh, of course, to the um, ICW there. And now that that's gone, I now mean, it's gone. the current just smokes through there constantly. The current underneath that, that Wonderwood it's, Bridge right there is brutal, is crazy now. Yeah, And it really has, it has really uh, affected the fishery there. I yeah. know, we used to go there and catch some really good, um, you know, we catch a lot of bull reds here in our northeast Florida area. Have a good spawn that goes on here, and it's just now is non-existent in, the, in that area. Right. Yeah. You know, as opposed to how it used to be, just last year at this time. Right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, well, all right. That's um. I guess our conservation. Talking about casting. That's our conservation griping moment there. You know, our, one of our rants about that. But well,
0: you know, it's good though because being professional anglers, we are conservationists, and, and I try to be. If if we're not, then. If we're not, then it won't be here for future generations. And it may not be here for us if we don't take care of it. Not to sound like a tree hugger
1: or, or you, know, um,
0: you know, an well, environmentalist. I don't think people so to speak. really,
1: you know, even, I mean, I'll I mean, lump myself in that category. You know, 10, 15 years ago when I was a lot younger, you know, you don't think about when you're on the water, about all the pollution in the water. And you don't really think about if you throw something in the water, how it's going to affect things. And, but when you, I guess you can get older, and, well, especially now since I'm on the water every single day. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy to ride around and you just, it's a shame to ride down the river and, you know, ride by a part of the marsh somewhere and just look at where the wind and the river has blown up just piles and piles of garbage, garbage. and trash. Uh, you can look down the water. Our water's real stained here anyways. And in some areas you can just look and it just looks like it's just milky, chocolatey, It just looks real stained, and you you can't help but think, you know, is it pollution? Is it, you know, other stuff in the water that shouldn't be there?
0: Yeah, and it's probably both of those things.
1: Yeah, I would probably tend to agree with you. Yeah. No doubt about it.
0: So, anyway, that's our our rant, I guess, for today on that. Um, Yeah,
1: we, we were talking about casting earlier with everybody, and we were discussing casting, and we were, you know, discussing lures and presentation you know even rods to you know to choose which to, you know what rods to throw with what lures and that sort of stuff and the actions on the rods and and whatnot and i just think the best like the best advice that we were talking about earlier a minute ago is to get out on the water and practice practice um it can only up your fishing game i tell you that Right, yeah. No, no doubt about it, you know.
0: <clears throat> yeah, practice. Well, that, was, was that was loud. You okay, weird. man? Got I don't right. know what that gosh, was. gosh, we got
1: some of that beard. <laughs> do you choke on your beard? Okay, you don't <laughs> have to keep doing it. Gosh, hairball. Man. Hairball. Furball? Yeah, Yeah, nice. furball. Really nice. So
0: bring us up to speed on some current events, current topics, what's going on in the fishing industry. What do you got? What are you looking man, at? Man, I've, I've been fishing this week. That's current. Yeah, it's correct.
1: You know, yeah, caught a bunch of fish. Yeah, Except I mean. "What was that for today?" day was kind of it was actually brutal today. Uh, I will tell you, with the wind blowing 25 sustained today, it made for a tough day of fishing. But on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week has been an absolute jack fest. Uh, I mean, I don't mean like catching jacks, but I mean like jacking the fish. Right. It's been nice to get out there and put a spank down on them. You know, with, I mean, an absolute load of trout and a ton of redfish and. Catching them on plastics, catching them on mud minnows, uh, just been a Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday was a really great day of fishing, great right. days of fishing, I should say. But uh, today was another whole other story. That's why it keeps you humble. Right. I always say that all the time. You know, do <laughs> you know my friends? Fishing is a sport that will definitely keep you humble. It sure will, man. But I tell you what's something funny. I was looking on the on the, the internet, and I did see uh, about a week or so ago over in Gulf Gulf Shores, Alabama. Where they had a fish kill over there, and I've talked to, just kind of segue into it. Yeah, just early, earlier this week, I talked to a, a, a lovely lady from the FWC who will have on here, maybe next week. She is a one of their public information officers, and so she's in touch with all the, you know, the fish assessments and the fish kills and the water temperatures and all that good jazz that goes along with. I say good jazz all the time, and I don't even like jazz music, man.
0: What's, you, up, what's up with that? You must like it. I don't really.
1: You're just a fan of corny sayings, I guess. My secret jazz lover. <clears throat> but I saw online where a place over in Gulf Shores, Gulf Shores, Alabama, around, around January the 11th, where a guy walked outside, and apparently the weather had been really, really cold over there in that area, and all he could see was dead mullet. A mullet. Buddy, it was nasty. It was... Come to find out it was 24,000, think about it, that's 12 tons, 24,000 pounds of dead mullet. Wow. The city in that area there. That's a lot of mullet. They had to hire a contractor to come out because once the weather warmed up, the mullet, as you know, they started to decompose. Yeah. And it created a, I can't say foul, but it created a stench in that community there. And uh, apparently, they paid some company about 10 grand to come out and remove all of the mullet. They said most of the mullet were anywhere from 6 to 12 inches long, but uh, they said it was 24,000. Like, you know, you would imagine 24,000 pounds of mullet. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's a
0: lot. So, what killed all those mullet?
1: I mean, they're saying that it's cold water. Cold, cold weather, water. Cold, cold weather. They said they actually the one the area that they were in.
0: How cold was it? Did, did it say?
1: It didn't really get into specifics. But they did say that it was froze over. Apparently, the area where all these mullet were in, the water had froze. Wow. Like, it you know, literally froze, like blocked up. Yeah. And I guess they got trapped in this little inlet somehow. But uh it looked pretty wild, actually. Yeah, i have never seen that before. Yeah, that sounds pretty crazy. I mean, I was, as you know, I was fishing down south just a few weeks ago. And that was really one of the first big fish kills I've ever, I've ever experienced. And just to ride down the ICW... In the area of South here of Jacksonville, Uh, there's there's a stretch that's about two miles between one of our bridges here down to an area called Pontevedra, where they play the Players Championship at. Right. And there was thousands and thousands and thousands of dead mullet, dead catfish, and dead snook. Wow. And so, and that was that was in, in in part because of the weather. Same thing. Same scenario. Cold water. And when I talked to the lady from NWC, by the way, she said that I thought it was a kind of a deal where it shocked them, you know, a sudden temperature change. She says it's more of a sustained deal. And I I don't want to speak for her.
0: So it just gets on them little by little?
1: Apparently it gets on them, and then if it stays on them too long, then that's what actually does it to them.
0: Well, yeah, I guess there's only so many places they can run.
1: Well, she was, like I said, I don't want to speak for her, but I guess she was kind of explaining how, you know, you have certain fish, kind of like you and I were talking off air. How some fish are, they they suspend in one third of the column. One some fish are on the bottom, <clears throat> and those fish that are on the bottom aren't as susceptible to the temperature change because the water doesn't really increase a whole lot down in that area, right. uh, and, and last as long. Whereas the the fish that hang out in the upper part of the column, the middle part of the column, obviously with the surface temperature, they're more susceptible to that change. Sure, and it's apparently mullet or are, are, are fish that hang out in that top area of the water column, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and so, yeah, but if sad to see all the dead fish. Yeah, it's terrible.
0: So it's you crazy.
1: you got to wonder if you're in that area.
0: <clears throat> Excuse me. you got to wonder if you're in that area what that type of mullet kill is going to do for the, you know, obviously the bait in that area is, is gone right now. That's a lot of bait killed. How's that going to affect the, the game fishery over there?
1: I can't imagine it's got to be some sort of effect imagine how many mullet must be out there though in order to kill 24,000 pounds of it
0: well there's at least 24,000 pounds isn't
1: that right 12 tons right yeah that's yeah 2,000 pounds a ton that's a lot I mean I I thought that was just that's one of the things I saw that was that kind of caught my eye Um, this month is rolling into well what fish are you fishing for right now Ty in, in these cold water months
0: what fish am I fishing for?
1: Yeah, I mean with the cold, you know, with the cold weather like right now. Uh, red, you know, cold f- or cold
0: red day. fish, trout, and flounder. That's uh, that's what we're targeting. Um you think sheephead
1: are out there you think right now? They handle now. the cold weather pretty good.
0: They seem to be. I mean, you know, we're we're starting to see some flounder pick up in the river right now, which yeah, I caught one today. You know,
1: that's it's good. I, mean, I was we, shocked. I was shocked. I mean, we start seeing them in February, but. It's, I mean um, I mean but it was weird this time last year I'd caught some really good ones already. I mean some big ones. But yeah. th- but this year they've been scarce. Yeah, they've been there's something going on a little different this year. I don't think we well, you know, here in our area, folks know we're here in Florida and we've had some pretty brutal weather, including the hurricanes and just nasty cold weather and winds. It's been a pretty brutal winter already to me it seems like yeah i don't think it's over yet yeah i don't either but those hurricanes i think really messed up our fishery and the uh, you know the ecosystem around here they definitely messed up everything they so definitely did
0: so yeah the hurricanes messed up everything The tides um tides haven't been right there's just been a lot of things been out of whack um for a long time since uh, not just with hurricane irma but even before hurricane irma well, yeah, you
1: know, we had Hurricane Irma, but then we followed it up with what a couple tropical storms or something, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, well, what we had to say.
0: Yeah, we did. We had a couple come through, and it just it messed up everything for a while. It was uh, it was diff, it was difficult. So anyway, so what else we got for man, what else
1: you want to talk about, Trending. man? You know, we got all kinds of stuff going on, man. I just you kind of hate to go around in circles and whatnot, but uh, yeah.
0: Well, why don't you tell everybody where they can find us out on the internet, Facebook, internet websites, whatever, wherever, whenever. Can,
1: they, can they find us somewhere?
0: They can find us anywhere they're looking Man, you know,
1: just go spots. to
0: the mullet and the beard or the, right. the beard and the mullet.com
1: yeah you can find us on the website our website is uh, backwaterhustle.wordpress.com and you'll see that we have some blogs on there we have fishing reports on there Ty and myself uh, we write a we write articles for a local publication here in our area we have those articles downloaded on there that you can check out, and it kind of explains fishing here in our area, so if you're just curious, you know, about our area, or you'll be coming here to our area even, uh, you can check those out. Uh, You can email us if you have any questions or comments about today's podcast, or or any of the podcast, uh, at bckwaterhustle at gmail.com. That's bckwaterhustle at gmail.com, and of course we have a Facebook page, which we'll have pictures on there, uh, as well as comments, and just pictures of us, and fish and articles on that also and if you care to leave a post on there you know please do so but that's at backwater hustle Fishing podcast so you can find that on facebook at backwater hustle Fishing podcast and then we have his instagram account it's at bck water hustle and that's at at bck hustle so there's just a few social media outlets that we have that you guys can check out and you know like i said leave a comment post pics give us a thumb and yeah, I guess a good thumbing up or yeah. down or you know, hey we are we're used to constructive criticism, so yeah. hey we're used to I'm, <laughs> I'm used to criticism. I'm used to criticism exactly, I'm man. Not sure how constructive it is well, sometimes you know, I try to make it all constructive.
0: So to recap a little bit on the show for today, we you know, we talked about casting, started out talking
1: Synopsis Oscilatus,
0: yeah. by the way. Yeah, synopsis. Yeah, synopsis oscilatus. Got it. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, no, that's cool.
1: I just saw that there, buddy. <clears throat>
0: no, <laughs> That's cool. So uh, we talked about casting, you know, how to cast, you know, and and what makes a good cast, what makes it important, uh, why you should know how to cast and some different types of casting and the rods and the uh, tackle you need to go for what type of fishing you're doing. Um, you know, we talked about baits and
1: live bait, artificial baits. And... Man, let me just give you one real quick tip about a rod also. Okay. but um, when, when you go to your – Tackle stock, tackle store, tap bait shop, whatever, wherever you buy your rods and reels from. I build all my rods, but thank no, you. No, you don't. Because you fish with pen rods, and know you don't build those. No,
0: I would never claim to build those. Never had one break, though. Uh, well, good for you. <laughs> we'll pass on that. But uh, And I think I told you on our last episode about the... Uh, the one reel since you you're brought supposed it, that pin build, build me a rod
1: by the way yeah that pin reel that I got that I've never washed rinsed anything for I a find year that hard to believe because I know you better than Buddy, that I you wash everything you. but uh, man the best thing I can tell you about a rod is when you go in the store man you know pick it up feel it and you know it's like playing a guitar or I'm trying to think of what else hey try it, like try your shoes on you know pick it up hold it you know see how it's balanced. But man, if it just, if it feels good in your hand, I mean, I know it sounds weird, but right? you'd be surprised how you can pick up one rod and they'll be pretty much the same thing, but one of them would just feel different. Yeah.
0: I think when you're selecting a rod, you know, if you really, if you're into fishing and it's not just something that you're going to do for the weekend, spend the money and get a, a quality. If you can get a custom rod built for you, do that. The, the rods you go to the store and buy, these things are built on an assembly line They don't know what kind of reel you're going to put on that thing. They have no idea what kind of line you're going to put on it. They give you suggestions, so they're built around this
1: framework. Keep in mind, though, you know, we said that earlier, but keep in mind, you know, a lot of the rods, some of the rods, and maybe we should have detailed, you know, I'm sitting here thinking and maybe we weren't clear enough. But, you know, a lot of the rods, they're built for certain applications, for certain kind of lures, and there are rods that are hard to throw, yeah. If, and the, the more, there's, there's a different degree of difficulty right. with different rods. That's yeah. the way I can put it. Yeah, I agree. you have a fast, extra fast action tip, you've really got to whip it. You've got to, you know, right. put some arm It's a lot
0: more forgiving, it. though.
1: Not, okay. You don't think so? No. Than a
0: stiff rod? Do you think a stiffer rod is more forgiving than a, a one that's got more of a a quicker action?
1: For me personally, no. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I just—I'm just speaking just, just for me. I okay. Because earlier you said you have a rod. Because you, you have, because you have to whip a rod, yeah. Because I'm not very good at throwing that kind of rod. And right. I'm not used to it. Okay. You know, if you have to really, because you have to put exert a lot more effort into throwing a rod with that that extra fast action tip. Yeah. And so, therefore, you have to be more accurate right. with that, you know, fast action tip. All
0: right. Well, what I'd say is the yeah. one tip. What I was trying to get to is, if you can, if you can find a rod builder in your area, somebody that that will build you a custom rod to fit you that's what you should do. And and there's a lot of tuning that goes into the guides or uh, the eyes of that rod uh, to help you cast better and further. And uh all that can be tuned into your rod when it's built. When you go to a store, there's quality rods out there and they're a good price. I get it. I don't see how they can build some of these rods for the money that they're
1: they're doing. I they buy, um, buy them stuff in bulk, brother. Yeah, I know. You know. I know it's crazy. I mean it is. But it, you know, it's like McDonald's buying hamburger patties or something from, you know, they gonna they get a deal on beef or whatever they eat. Hamburger I'm made not quite
0: sure they're buying hamburger patties. That's what I said, whatever it's made out of. <laughs> whatever
1: it's made out know. of. But, nope. the, you know, the bottom line is if you're going to fish a lot, like I tell everybody that people ask me all the time, you know, what rod do you have? And the difference with somebody like when you're out, if you're a weekend angler, you're going to throw your, you know, your favorite rod and rail you're going to throw them once a weekend, several hundred times, you know, maybe that weekend. The difference in the most rods this time of day is the weight of the rod. Yeah. And when I say that, you know, I can go out and throw one specific rod that I have, which has a certain brand, I can throw that a sucker a thousand times a day right. and not feel it. On the other hand, if I go out and throw some of the rods that I have, uh, you're going to know it after you've thrown it 300 times a day. Right, it's just that weight, that weight ratio, that weight of them. It's just, it's just amazing how you can feel the difference. Right. I mean, it really, I mean, it yeah, truly a few is.
0: a few grams one way or the other makes a makes it does, a lot. It makes
1: difference. a huge difference. Yeah, it sure does. The guides are, you know, as you know, since you build rods that the
0: they're, guide they're tuning for me is what I see the most. Is I can take a twenty five hundred.
1: How come you've never fished on the boat
0: with one of your custom rods? I have.
1: I've never seen a fish one of them.
0: Yeah, I have, and I, have I am. Um, yeah, I have Okay. Um,
1: that orange one. that I
0: have. Um, I showed you with the broken tip that I slammed in my tailgate. Oh, it, I don't remember the only that. I one. I've ever broke one.
1: So I yeah, broke, I broke three in about the last seven months. Yeah.
0: Some of the <laughs> uh, crazy. Most of them that I've built up to this point, I've given away um, to to some people, and I've sold a bunch of yeah, them. Somebody's supposed
1: to get one. Yeah, somebody will get one. Yeah, we'll, we'll get that worked out. My breath. Yeah, we'll get it worked out. I mean, what do you think so the best rod and reel combo is? Can we say names on here? We're not prepared to do that. Yet. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I, I don't think we're super. Yeah, prepared. we probably shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, so
0: that was about the show for today. I mean, we you know talked about casting and rods and reels and and um,
1: lures and how to wiggle your worm and all these good things. Yeah, and just let everybody know. That, uh, let's let's listen. And, you know, we don't we don't want to get on here and talk for two hours and try to bore you to death. You know, we're just trying to cover a certain ex, you know take an excerpt out of. Something that we find interesting or something that we have comments and questions on. And next week, we're all going to read some of those comments. Yeah. I mean, or actually, questions. And we'll, we'll read some of the comments too. Yeah. Uh, sure. That people send us. And, you know, we'll t- touch base with some of those. But I mean, we don't want to bore you with three hours of just us babbling. Yeah. Babbling and, yeah. and a bunch of facts and da right.
0: Well, like, and facts are good. I mean, it's good to, you well, know, the there's facts so, are good. But I mean, like, there's so many myths out there for fishing and there's so many. Wives tells maybe or or this way my granddaddy did it and a lot of it's fallacy. Are we going to
1: have speaking of that? Can we go ahead and say his name now? Or are we going? Are we gonna just let, let? Yeah, no, we can, and, and that's what week. I was going to do.
0: We okay, um, okay. A, a few episodes ago we had a discussion on here about myths, and we started talking about the pressure myth and barometric pressure and those things, and and uh, an article that we had read, and we actually ran down the author of that, um, a guy, um, Doctor Ross. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found him, and um, he's more than happy to come on the show. So, within the next few weeks, we're gonna you know run him down, circle him up, and put him in the hot seat, and ask him a bunch of questions about this myth thing about or what we may or may not think is a myth about the pressure, and see if we can get some some answers from uh, maybe an expert. We'll see if he's an expert just I, because he's got a doctor out there doesn't mean he's an expert, but we'll see. That's correct.
1: Yeah, and also uh, just to let you know that we're gonna also have a. In our area, we are controlled by the, I guess the control is a good way to put it. Our, we are managed, our fishery here is managed by the FWC here in our area. And we're going to have a <clears throat> public information officer. And we just have several questions for her that it not only, you know, goes for our area, but just for a lot of areas around our state and some of the surrounding states as far as the bag limits. Uh, there's, a, there's always a debate here about should it be one fish, one red fish or two red fish. So we're going to discuss those and... By the way, I have a phone number. If you live in a certain area, or any area for that matter, and uh, I guess the Florida area technically tied, I guess what would be, for instance, the FWC, and you have a, uh, if you notice a fish kill, I have a number that the FWC here would like for you to call, and that's 1-800-636-0511, 636 511 and that's to report a, uh, you know, if you have a major fish kill in your area. But we're going to talk with this public information officer and she's just going to tell us how the FWC operates, how they assess the stock here in our area, and they do the, how they do the stock management, uh, break down the zones for us here in our area. Yeah, And so she should be interesting talking to her because yeah. I have a
0: lot of questions for her. <laughs> yeah, we will be. And You know, something I've always found interesting about a, a fish kill is um, when you see dead fish that birds are not eating, there's a reason for that. Yeah. There's some, those birds know something, so they, um, they're they not think
1: eating. about them. it the fish won't eat it and the birds won't eat it. Yeah, something's up. Something's up. Yeah. So. All
0: right. Well, that's all we got. Well, I think we've about exhausted all of our knowledge on this subject for today. It doesn't take hard. It's not long it to do, doesn't so. take much. Yeah. So thanks. Captain Donnie gave you all the information you need to get in touch with us. Look us up, check us out, feel yeah, us up. Check us
1: up, feel us out. And, uh, we appreciate everybody listening and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Like I said, any of your questions or comments, hit us up on social media or our website. Our email. We'll be more than happy to try to answer any question that you have, and thank you for tuning in.
0: That's right. For Captain Don Taylor, Jr., this is Captain Ty McNeely, and this has been the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast.
1: See you. See you. Hey, guys, you've been listening to the Backwater Hustle Fishing Podcast. Check us out on the web at backwaterhustle.wordpress.com or check us out on Facebook at Backwater Hustle, the fishing podcast. You can reach us at bckwaterhustle at gmo.com. And hit us up on Instagram at at BCK Water Hustle. This has been the Water Hustle Fishing Podcast. Out.
0: That's all there is, Captain Donnie.